It was dark, and the moon was full. Georgia bugs chirped in the humid air. A breeze rattled the leaves of fat southern oaks. At the end of the brick road, ominously named The Path, stood the momentous antebellum relic. Seventeen rooms, two and a half stories high, and a survivor from a bygone era. The Quenby House was rich with history and had a set of colonnades on both the first and second floor. Spotted with little white flowers, vines and ivy climbed the mansion's chipped white paint and around the tall glass windows. More roses and thorns bloomed around its base. In the night, silhouettes of neglected cabins and a struggling cotton field were visible beyond the massive building. A dim glow leaked from one of the mansion's upper windows. Apart from the flame dancing on a candle wick, the study was dark with tall bookshelves, chairs and cracked leather cushions, and a number of wilted flowers that decorated the windowsills and tabletops. There were other antiquities, too, but none were a concern to Maxwell Quinby. Hunched over his great-grandfather's desk, Maxwell, a 48-year-old man with sunken cheeks, Apache beard, and red-rimmed eyes, heard movement in the long halls of his antebellum-era home. In the candlelight, sweat glistened on his creased forehead and greasy black-gray hair. He hadn't bathed in days, and though the study was spacious, his natural odor seemed to hang in a cloud over his head. His calloused hand scribbled feverishly on the page before him. It was the most important note of his life. The first and last thing he would say to the daughter he never knew. Since the widow Cecilia and her lover Abel Quinby I completed the plantation decades prior to the Civil War, every important document was signed on this heavy wooden desk. From the purchase of the first slave in July of 1843 to the final cotton sale in March of 1875, the deep scratches and ink stains on the desk's wooden surface ran as deep as the family's blood. Muffled voices leaked through the walls. Maxwell twisted back at the sound. They found a way into the corridor. His nearly black, beady eyes returned to the page. His vision blurred from his lack of sleep. A bead of sweat raced down his nose. Moving his lips, Maxwell read his draft. It was garbage. He balled up the page and tossed it back to the mountain of crumpled paper. He pulled another sheet of paper from the pile and let his pen go to work. His hair tumbled down over his tired eyes. He should have cut it ages ago, but time escaped him. Time always seemed to escape him. The doorknob to his study jiggled violently. Maxwell's heart throbbed in his chest, his breath quickened. The next draft of the letter dragged. He crumpled it up and threw it with the rest. Light seeped through the bottom of the door. More indistinguishable voices. They got closer. Last time, Maxwell promised himself and made the note brief. It wasn't loving. It wasn't rude. It wasn't perfect, but it was what it needed to be. Maxwell forewent that perfectionist voice and folded the letter with his trembling hands. The door rattled on its hinges. The lock wouldn't hold much longer. Maxwell slid the letter into a red envelope. His tongue traced the envelope's lip, and he sealed it tight. Wood cracked behind him as something heavy slammed into the door. 
Maxwell scribbled the day and time he wished the letter to be opened. If all else failed, the delivery must be precise. Crack. He set the letter aside and pulled open his drawer. His trembling hand withdrew a dusty snub-nosed revolver. Candlelight bounced over the tight frame. He checked the cylinder. Six rounds. He prayed to God it would be enough. With a crash, the door swung open. In the threshold, the figures looked like shadows, but Maxwell knew they were so much more. His fingers squeezed the trigger desperately. The gun misfired. <laughs>